Let's welcome everybody here at the Manchek Chit Chat on the Thin Fried Friday. I'm here with Willy Cohn, who owned the German restaurant on the West Bank, and actually with Maurice. I don't even know your last name. Jean-Luc Albin. Jean-Luc Albin. He is a baker. <laughs> everybody knows him. Uh, but they wrote the history that basically the generation before me who created a lot of the food and what's New or part of the New Orleans culinary scene. And you're still in it. And Willie, too, he eats every day here at Middendorf's. So, Willie, when did you arrive here? And you did Oktoberfest, too. Uh, yeah, I uh, opened my restaurant on the West Bank, 76. <coughs> and I had my first Oktoberfest, 78. And then I uh, went on vacation to Vail and met a dynamite entertainment musician, Helmut, Helmut Fricke who is an institution in, in uh, Vail and in Beaver Creek. <coughs> he's still, he's still he's 83 years old and he's still active. Anyway, I uh, hired him for the Oktoberfest to come down here to Gretna every year for about two to three weeks. You did it for three weeks or you did only uh, I started off with two weeks. Two weeks. And then I was so successful, I went and opened it for four weeks. After that, I had kept it open for five weeks, because for five weeks I was booked out every night. Oktoberfest. For Oktoberfest, uh, I was closed Sundays and Mondays. So <coughs> after Oktoberfest, from having a full house, I went down to twenty people or thirty people a night. Well, you fed them for five weeks straight. But how you ended up over here in New Orleans? Since everybody, uh, you know, from. You too, and we have Günther, and we have who, who else we had there? Bernd Walschläger. He managed. Klaus Kelteborn. He managed the Fairmont Hotel. The Fairmont. And Klaus Kelteborn. And Andrea, well, he was the only Italian, right? No, no, no. we had. Uh, Goffredo. Goffredo. He was. He was even a half a generation before, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's ninety-five now. So him, him and Chris Giorgio. Yeah. They came over on the boat. They jumped ship in San Francisco. <laughs> and they work at the Royal Orleans, Method yeah. D, yeah? yeah, the Royal Orleans. Yeah. So everybody started at the Royal Orleans or the Fairmont? <coughs> at the time, yes. At, so the, time. Yeah. at the Where time. did you start? At the Fairmont. Fairmont? He was the chef. And then you In got 78, I was the chef yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Wolfschläger was, was the uh, general manager or the food and beverage food manager and beverage director. at the time, and he was the chef. And Klaus Ketterbaum, you remember uh, Klaus Ketterbaum? And he used, he used to bring his crew for Oktoberfest to my restaurant uh, uh, to have some authentic German food and get some, uh, <coughs> get some entertainment. Um, papa. Yeah. He always had uh, eight to ten people, his sous chefs, and pastry chef. They came to the restaurant on uh, every Oktoberfest. Yeah. Well, he was there. So that's how we got to know each other. That with the Chef Charity for Children, too. Oh, yeah. We got yeah. together. Oh, you guys said started the charity? At, yeah. As a family, we started it with uh, Phil Johnson and uh, Warren LaRuth. Yep. The Wong brother, Austin yep. Leslie. Yep. Uh, I, did, I did it for the first four Chris years. Chris Goffredo, yourself. I did it for four years. Yeah. And just to let the people know, back then when they did this, they still had wood-fired stoves. <laughs> no, no. In a ponty ship, I did. No. <laughs> so he came straight from to the uh, Fairmont, or where you came? Yeah. Well, I, from from France, I, I went to Bermuda. Bermuda. I stayed three years in Bermuda, and from Bermuda I went to Atlanta. Atlanta. And I opened the Omni Hotel in Atlanta, and I stayed there for a year and a half. 
my um, all my all my bosses they all were German guys and um, they sent me in vacation they said we're going to send you in vacation I appreciate your work wherever you want to go United States I chose New Orleans and they, they fixed me up at the Fairmont I stayed at the Fairmont for about a week and uh, enjoy New Orleans and you know, the hotel and, and, and the blue room the South Rock everything else they offered me a job I couldn't I couldn't accept your job just like that so I went back to Atlanta thank them and all that I went back to my work in Atlanta sure enough they called me back they said what on your day off you take the take the plane your day off and you come uh, and visit with us they make me an offer to, co to become an executive chef of the firm. I mean, I was 25 years old. I mean, you know, awesome. that was a, for me, it was a big deal. Absolutely. Fairmont was the hotel. And, and, uh, and so I accepted, I accepted the deal. I stayed with Fairmont for nine years. But I became food and beverage director after. Who was before you, the, the chef? The chef was uh, uh, Manfred Bohr. Manfred Bohr, another German. He left, he went to so the Germans. So you German always work for Germans? Always. Is this like in the history, the but French always listen to the, uh, the, the French listen to the Germans? In, 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 in Bermuda, my, my chef was from Bavaria. <laughs> so that was in Bermuda. He must have relatives there. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, but we always, get, who, after we always you, get along very well. After very you well. left the Fairmont, who came after you? Well, after, after the Fairmont, no, with the French guy, André Ledoux. André Ledoux, but I, when I left the Fairmont, then I went to the Fairmont in Dallas. As a food and beverage director, say three years ago. But then I wanted to become a GM, and this it did not happen, even so they opened a hotel. So I found a job at, at I got a job in, uh, with Metro Goldwyn, with MGM in Los Angeles. I stayed there two years. So I was the building manager, the, the, appropriate, the property manager, the, the catering uh, manager, the general manager for the catering company within the hotel, within the, the office building. We had buffet, we served tremendous buffet, we had a, a, a la carte restaurant, we had a coffee house, and we had room service, but not room, the office service. We have um, the, 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 the people uh, like Cabi Broccoli, you know, the producer of James Bond, he had, he had an office, he had, uh, he had half a floor of the, of the building and all that. And when they sign a deal, and you know, it's just like room service first class, and the champagne, the, the hors d'oeuvre, the canapé, and everything, I mean, you know, first class. So, but then I stay there, then Jan Mestroner, you know Jan Mestroner from the Windsor Court? In 1988? No, this was well, before my time. In 1988, I came back to New Orleans and worked at the Windsor Court as a food and beverage director. It was in 1988, it was the, the, the GOP convention for the yes, old, old Bush, the old uh, George Bush. And uh, so I got the job at FNB, but then it was, everything started changing, the everything is on the computer, on the screen, and I was, I was working in the office. I mean, I'm a cook, I'm a, you know, I'm not an office man from the computer, and I couldn't do it. My friend at the bakery, Maurice at the, at the bakery, got me a job and he wanted to retire. He said, well, maybe, you know, if you like it, you know, we make a deal. Sure enough, that was in, in, in November, in March, I bought the bakery, 32 years ago. <laughs> That's it? That's the story. Yeah. And you, how you got here, Willie? <laughs> After my apprenticeship in Germany, I went to Switzerland for three and a half years. And by the time I was 21, I uh, went to the Holland America line. 
<coughs> some cruise ships. At that time, it wasn't like today where they have a thousand cruise ships. There were just a few. And uh, <coughs> so, uh, so I stayed in Holland for two years, year and a half, two years. Went around the world twice, which was the whole idea. You know, I wanted to see the world and uh, not going hungry. But know. actually, when you're on a cruise ship, you don't really see the world. You always look out there. Uh, we had, whenever we were in port, we made sure that we saw what yeah. what we wanted to see. When you're 21 years old, there are not many things you want to see. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do a few things, but you don't want to see them. <laughs> we used to we used to hire a cab. Uh, four of us each one was taking pictures at that time it was slides of whatever we saw like Panama or Tahiti or whatever took pictures and as soon as we got back on the ship a few days later uh, we sent them in had them developed when we got to Australia we got the pictures back and then we compared and changed so, <laughs> so that's how we saw the country <laughs> anyway so after three and a half years uh, a year and two years on the ships, uh, twice around the world, uh, Caribbean cruises, a lot of Pacific cruises, Pago Pago, uh, Fiji's, uh, Tasmania, you know, so those, those were places I saw because we stopped for four or five days in each place. But I know they're only stopping for a couple hours. Yeah, I know, but uh, our base was in Sydney at the time. For the winter, when when we had uh, <coughs> when we had summer here, they had winter over there. So anyway, so after that, I found out every every good-looking woman I wanted to talk to spoke some English except me. So when I came back, I applied for a job in England. So of course, I didn't know, know enough English to to have correspondence. So. <coughs> so I went to the Isle of Men. That was the only guy who sent me a letter in German as an application to, at a hotel in the Isle of Men, which is in the Irish Sea. Mm -hmm. So I went over there. I got there, and he only hired Austrians, Germans, and Swiss. So so much for English le for learning <laughs> English. But then, I st uh, after the season, I stayed in England. And uh, there was nobody who spoke any English, so I was two, two years over there. So I, I worked uh, for seven months at the uh, Savoy in, uh, in uh, uh, Blackpool, and then went back to another season on the Isle of Man, and then went back to uh, Manchester, Walsingham, which is where the Queen has her. <coughs> that's uh, Sherwood Forest in that area on the, on, the, on the coast anyway so then they were looking for chefs to open a hotel in Hartford, Connecticut and at the time the Sonesta Corporation owned the uh, uh, the, the uh, Carlton the Carlton in London was owned by Sonesta and they were hiring people for Hartford. So I went over there. Within six weeks, I had my green card and I ended up in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, so by, uh, 
uh, I stayed at the YMCA and I wanted to make money. I came to America to make dollars. <laughs> so I worked from one o'clock, from six o'clock in the morning. I worked breakfast, I worked lunch, and I worked dinner. So by nine, ten o'clock at night, I went home to the YMCA. I did that for six weeks. I lost about 15 pounds until uh, <coughs> uh, we got a new chef. And he cut all the overtime. By that time, I had enough money to buy a car. So I bought a uh, Fairlane convertible. A bl pitch black, red inside, looked like brand new. Anyway. Uh, so and he spoke English, so he could meet the By ladies. that time, I spoke some English. And uh, so no more Saturdays, no more Sundays working. When they asked me to work overtime, I said no, because they cut, they cut my overtime. So they called me a communist after that. <laughs> so I stayed there for a year and a half. After that, I got a job uh, job offer at the Biltmore in Arizona. But which was the kitchen was run by all Germans and Austrians and Swiss. So, but the season didn't start for another six weeks. And I wanted to get out of Hartford. So they offered me a job in uh, uh, either... Boston, or go to uh, go to Los Angeles, where they had a, a charter house, and I didn't want to end up in a charter house. And they said, you know, we have a a garmage job in uh, in New Orleans at the Royal Orleans, and at the time the Royal Orleans was was one of the top five hotels in the in the country. <coughs> Management was uh, British. Uh, all the all the top was French, uh, Europeans, and that's how they run the show. It's beautiful. So I got there. I was five years old, and I got there, started there as Gamache. I figured I'd spend six weeks over there, and then I go to Arizona to my job. After six weeks, I fell in love with New Orleans. That was '65, '66, when, when the world was still whole. <laughs> By the way, some people, Godmarché, it's the person who works in the cold kitchen making salads and appetizers, in case people don't know what a Godmarché is. The you and I understand. And the buffet, and the buffet. No, we, yeah. we did a lot of weddings. Weddings? A lot of I, I learned ice carving. How long did you stay there? How long? Yeah. Uh, two years. Two years. And then they sent me to Savannah, Georgia, as uh, sous chef to open a country club. After six months, the chef left, and I was the chef. So after six months after that, they said, we're closing the place. <laughs> so but it had nothing to do with you? No, no. <laughs> uh, the country club belonged to the Teamsters from Ohio. And they didn't get along. Management didn't get along with them. They, uh, they tried to meddle. Anyway, so I got back to New Orleans. Went back to the Royal Orleans as sous chef. Uh, then, let me see. So the, the, Sonesta, the Sonesta Hotel at the time was a Hyatt Regency property. Right downtown? There was a, there was a, a brewery, the, re, the, the, region, the region, Regal? Regal, Regal Brewery was on that corner. They tore that down and they dug down two, two floors <coughs> and they split, they split the foundations of those antique stores on Royal Street 
because it was bad against Ross. So they started having cracks, so big lawsuits. So the whole thing was put on hold for about three or four months. And by that time, Hyatt didn't want any part of it anymore. It was supposed to be uh, Chateau de la Louisiane, was called by, by Hyatt. Uh, so they, they sold it to uh, Sonesta, who owned the Royal Orleans. So that's how it became a Sonesta. So they sent me, after spending six months over there as sous chef, they sent me over there as sous executive sous to hire 50 people or whatever uh, at, the, at the Sonesta at the Broadway. How long did you stay at the Sonesta? I stayed there three months and then they called me up and they said, you know, you're wasting your time here. You're supposed to, you're supposed to open a new hotel in Key Biscayne, Florida. It's like a gypsy. Huh? <laughs> You've been everywhere. I've been to the Sonesta and Key Biscayne. Looked like a, like a pyramid. Who was our friend over there? Another German guy who was manager there. They're everywhere. Because I stay, I stay over there. I stay one week at the Kibi Skin. I don't know. Wolfsleger sent me over there on vacation. Must have been after me. He, he was at the Sonesta here, and then he went to the. He was general manager Sonesta and Kibi Skin. No? Oh, uh, if he was a was an Irish guy with a red nose, and he was drinking. Uh, well, I Irish guys don't have drink and don't have red noses. I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> but back to it, I mean, when you guys landed in New Orleans and did everything, you know, I always look at back at everybody there. What you guys created and lined the f- uh, foundation, yes, there's Creole cuisine, but the European influence like this had as much to do with where we are right now in New Orleans with the restaurants and everything. Well, yeah, the service was also different. I mean, you, you look at, at the restaurant like the Sazerac then, yeah. and, and the, the, the table service from the cart, the carving with the cart, and the flaming of the table, the, the, you know, the, the, the making the steak tartare at the table, filling a d'oversol at the table. You don't see that nowhere anymore. No. I mean, this is uh, one thing of the past. Uh, but you know. one thing, when I came to New Orleans, what was so interesting, there's no food anywhere else but New Orleans. So the combination of the European influence with some of the people, the southern hospitality and everything, mm-hmm. even for us European, was, for me it was a little bit hard to understand a little bit the southern hospitality, you know, but when, when you fall in love with it and you get it, it's, it's so special what New Orleans used to have to offer. Uh, I feel like the last couple of years it's lost a little bit, uh, it's changed a little bit. But there was a time when I arrived there and you guys still being everywhere, it was real, real unique to see. And it was hard to describe what well, you felt when you <coughs> came to the, anywhere and anywhere for dinner, you know? Well, we were very much professional to a different extent, with a different background, with apprenticeship and all that. Yeah. So the knowledge that we brought with, with the, the culture of New Orleans, of Louisiana, plus the, the, the produce, the food they had to offer over here, yeah. the freshest shrimp and, 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 and oyster and, and fish and, 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 and produce for, for that matter. You know, it helped create a blend of what local food with our expertise. I truly believe we brought a lot initially to, to the table service, to the first class uh, type of uh, dining experience. Because uh, it, go, it goes along with uh, the same uh, when you want to buy a bottle of wine then. I mean, you know, the supermarket, the Mouton Cadet, uh, 
uh, Blue Nun and uh, Matthäus, Lancer Rosé. That's about all you could find in wine in supermarket. And look what you have now. I mean, it's in, in 50 years, I mean, it's unbelievable. You go to Rouse, I mean, there's more wine than there is a, a gallon of milk. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's incredible. But uh, what he just said, not only the food background, but also the ambition, the service in the restaurants, what the European influence was, but, uh, not like apprenticeship, but uh, how many people had worked. There's professional waiters in New Orleans, what you don't see too much in other cities. You know, we have, we have so many waiters who've been there two generations uh, waiting tables in their tuxedos at Antoine's, at Galatoire's and everything. You've been there. Many hey. European and Lur- 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 no, They were there 20, 30 years in the same place. Mm. You know, since you said this, even we are here at Middendorf's and we're just a little fried catfish house, but we have, when I bought Middendorf's, we had sometimes three generations working together. When I bought it, there was like the grandmother, the daughter, and the granddaughter working at the same time. And I still have it. I have some, one lady at the, in the kitchen, she fri- she's frying the thin fried catfish for 40 years now. And my manager in, in Magic, she's been there for 45 years. It's incredible. And we not, it's not a fine dining, but it's very unique what these people, the southern hospitality, oh, yeah. what the, with the European influence. Yeah. And by the way, Middendorf was created by a German, Middendorf. Well, with a name like that, I would think. So. Yeah, it was, didn't have a French accent to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> how, how long did it take you to, to adjust? You know, uh, so many people ask me and always tell me this, really. Uh, they said, oh, it must be so much easier to own Middendorf's. But to be real honest, it was hard. A hard I work harder now than when I had Bella Luna. Bella Luna is, you know, whatever I cooked and put on the plate was me. Nobody questioned it. I had to learn what the people ate for 80 years. You know, how the fish was sliced, how it was spread. And, you know, the, and the people are very truthful if they like it or don't like it. The first couple of years, even just waking up and breathing was the wrong thing to do since I was the new guy. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have neighbors. I tell them about, uh, you know, that, that you opened here. <clears throat> they said, oh, we went to Mittendorf's and we weren't impressed. And I understand uh, ever since that uh, some foreigner took it over. You know, it's not the same anymore. I'm sure it's the same, but, you know, that's, the, ment- that's the mentality. Now, I tell one thing. We brought a lot of things back, even just, you know, just to let you know, having a uh, fine dining background, it was a hard adjustment to work. But now being uh, the, the, a mentor, uh, a friend, a father to some of the people you work with, uh, we brought a lot of things back and um, making it there. We started making, making our cakes, we're making our bread puddings, we make some ice creams. And even what we're doing here, where we met you right now, uh, Oktoberfest. You know, Panchatula used to have an incredible Oktoberfest and then it's disappeared. And then when I bought in those seven Middendorfs, a man check, and uh, I feel like having the German name like Middendorf's, there used to be Oktoberfest, and me being German, we brought it back. And it's so special to see when the people come and uh, they eat it. And it's a lot of work, you know. Uh, it's not everybody can cook it. So I'm in the kitchen, you know, I'm sure like you, you know, you, if you lose certain people and you have to go back there and show them certain recipes again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do it every year, but it's exciting to do it for the six weeks. It's a lot of work to find everything, but also it's exciting since it brings so many people, it gives a job. It gives every Wednesday and Thursday in Manchac 10 people a job, 
when it's normally would be quiet in the swamp. Right. That's why we we start start doing it, and it's fun. Like yesterday, you know, we served probably 250 portions of schlachtblatt in, in Manchac. Uh, it's incredible. It is. It is. Though, uh, and you do your Oktoberfest. When you do your Oktoberfest? Oh, it's a private event. It's a private event. Yeah, it's not something that we do. No, it's just a friend. Bunch yeah. of friends. French doing German food Oktoberfest. Except the French singing. So that's. Uh, oh, no, we put the German music. I am, <laughs> I am a German Munich, my uh, Bavarian music, after, my tape and all. Oh, after yeah. a couple of bottles <laughs> of wine, they start singing the French national anthems and stuff. <laughs> Well, we don't want to go there, the French National Anthem. <laughs> no, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. So, well, thank you. Drinking song. No, but I tell one thing. It, it was so impressive when I... What New Orleans, the food and everything, everybody came there. Where did uh, Gunder start? Where did he come in? Uh, when I came to New Orleans, Gunter was the executive chef at the Roosevelt. And the Roosevelt turned into the Fairmont. Right. Yeah. yeah. Before me, but... So he was before you. Yeah, but he was one chef in between. Another oh, okay. guy, Manfred, Manfred Ball. And when was Andrea over there? Andrea was never at the Fairmont. He, he was the Royal Orleans. The Royal Orleans? Okay. okay. Andrea, he came, uh, he came from, uh, from Atlanta. It's amazing. Andrea, we were in Bermuda together. Same company, but not same restaurant. Then we were in Bermuda, in, uh, in Atlanta together. He worked at the Omni in a restaurant called Bugatti. And I was in a restaurant called Max. Max, uh, Max Schnallinger, an Austrian guy who was a GM at the hotel. He had, he had a restaurant within the hotel of his name. <laughs> and later on, the Austrians, they manipulate and, and, everything. And, huh? and, and, later on, and later on, we opened a restaurant called Mimi's, and that was his wife's name. So within the hotel, within Omni, yeah, two restaurants, Max and Mimi's name for the general manager and his wife. But anyway, that's, that, that's a Schnellinger. That's the Austrian. Night, night, the French wouldn't night. do anything like this, right? Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so, so no, so then Andrea moved to Royal Orleans, I moved to Fairmont. Oh, okay, okay. Then he opened his uh, a business in Mallory, and then I bought the bakery in Mallory. Next door. <laughs> we, all been next, we follow each other. <laughs> But didn't really, didn't know? No. Never I mean, kind of, but not yeah, hang yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's funny. Yeah. Well. And you know Daniel Bono? Yes. Now, Daniel Bono, before I went to Fairmont, gave me a call. They were looking for a, for a chef at the Louis, Louis 16 at the St. Louis Hotel. And that's how he came in? And, uh, and uh, I, was not, I was not interested. I chose a Fairmont. And he's traveling now the world and just doing cooking class and drinking wine. No, not anymore. No, he he bought a he bought a house in south of France and uh, he spent six months over there and six months over here. He's coming in a couple of weeks now. Well, maybe he comes here, bring him out. Oh yeah, we're there. gonna bring him here. Definitely. I send him your menu. Yeah, I oh, send yeah. him your Oktoberfest menu. He won't yeah. be here for the sauerbraten, but so he'll be he here for maybe the, what you have the the shank. But as the Schweinshaxe yeah. last week, I have the Schweinshaxe. Yeah, yeah, that's it. The last week, he'll be, he be come back the last week. So he'll be, last yeah. week, he'll be here. Yeah, he said he can't make it the day he comes back. I think he comes back on a Friday ah, after do. sending the menu. And he said, but I'll, I'll be there the next Friday. The next Friday, yeah. It's just for the people who are going to listen to us one day. It's so funny when all these old European chefs come in and I'm the young guy. They give me all this friendly advice. <laughs> and I obey and listen to it <laughs> well thank you well, that's wonderful 
Well, thank you. We we thank to, you. No, thank you for supporting us, me and coming out here. Really, it's, it's um, you know, coming from Mindos is an incredible ride. It, I'm so proud of being part of this, and it's so hard to describe, you know, uh, what it is to keep a Louisiana icon going like this. No, yeah, you have a beautiful, this, this new place, I mean, it's unbelievable. I, you you show me the kitchen, uh, you give me a tour of the kitchen, it's fantastic. I was, I was to and, turn uh, over with your serving stuff. You know, we're settling in right now. In the beginning, we know the uh, month number three. My goal is to have, after one year, to have the Middendorf family. That's how I'm going to say. Well, let's go back and eat some apple strudel. All right. That sounds good. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thank you. (laughs)